0: Have you come to worship Him today? Amen. Let's sing that song. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Let's just worship Him as we have been doing a few moments more now, and and we'll go to the Word. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come. Raise your hands to him. Just give him praise and thanks. Lord, we have come to worship you today. We are here in your presence. And we know you are calling true worshipers. Those that will worship you in spirit and in truth. We're asking God that you'll bless us today in your presence. As we bless your name. Lord, may there just be a love affair, Lord. We feel your love all around us as you feel our love going back to you. Lord, that from us would come a praise, a worship. Lord, from hearts that have been cleansed and purged and made white, I pray, oh God, you'll bless your children today in your presence. You're little bright around the world, those that are listening in, the different nations. Way down in India, over in South Africa, Lord, uh, over in Japan, uh, China, the different ones around the world, here in America, United States and Canada, Lord, down into Mexico and down into the regions of South America, Lord, there's a bride everywhere, chosen of God, called of God, and you give us this privilege today to minister to them. I pray, oh God, that you would bless your people everywhere. Inspire faith in their hearts to believe. Lord, may every need be supplied of your people. We ask it in the name of Jesus. And may there be a people rise that truly adore you, Lord. Oh God, as you would, you would give your law out and all the dues and and thou shalt and thou shalt not and then you said oh oh that you would just love me if a people would just love me with all their hearts with all their souls with all their beings that's what you're looking for not a bunch of law keepers afraid of hell but somebody to love you with all their hearts Lord today we want to express our love to you. Not just today, but always. May our life be a love letter back to you. Even as your word is a love letter to us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. And amen. To be in God's presence. We'll turn to Luke chapter 1 verse 26. You know, I walked back in and second-guessed myself on all of the different relations and relationships that go on with with families and family connections and whether your grandpa or great-grandpas or great-uncles or great-great-uncles. And it reminded me of what Drew said to me the other day. He walked in the house and said, Papa, you're really special because you were Mubby's wife. (laughs) So... So you see, I'm not the only one that gets things sometimes mixed around, but um, isn't it wonderful today to be special in God's sight? Amen. Amen. Luke chapter one, verse 26, and in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth, and you can give me a little more sound up here, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of... Of David and the virgin's name was Mary, and the angel came unto her and said, "Hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women." And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. and the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God and behold thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus for he he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and out of his kingdom there shall be no end Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angels answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it, un, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. God bless you. Can have, you can have your seats. Also, we'll look at Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. If you would like to read that with me, find that in your Bible. Matthew 1, 18. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And then Joseph being raised from his sleep did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. Amen. What a wonderful reading that we have had this morning. And here we are at a... Um, Another Christmas season and I want to say Merry Christmas to you all and uh, you know for me it's very strange to be here. Um, Never would I thought I would ever be here some 50 years ago telling my church Merry Christmas. Um, Back then you you know you repent and you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and you receive the Holy Ghost and God sent a prophet and no Christmas. And on, you know, on December the 24th, 1965, on Christmas Eve, Brother Branham died. And now this year he has been gone as long as he was here. He's been gone now 56 years. And I remember getting that news now many, many years ago. I was only 11 and it was just a few days before Christmas that news had Came to our home that Brother Branham had been in a horrible car wreck and had been hit by a drunk driver just out of Amarillo, Texas. And prayers, of course, went up from our home and from all our friends and the community and church family there in Bozier City and Threeport area. We was asking God for Brother Branham's deliverance. But it was not to be, not in the way we were praying anyway, because on December the 24th, on Christmas Eve, God took him home. Those who gathered in Amarillo, Texas, where Brother Branham lay dying in the hospital, spoke of how ominous and foreboding the moon looked as it appeared to have blood on it. Well, in our home, I didn't notice the moon that night or during that time, but Uh, We all just felt sick in our stomachs and sorrowful as if a dear family member had passed away. It was a sorrowful feeling that just shadowed our family gathering that Christmas. And the impact of Brother Branham's death on Christmas Eve would have a, a, a very negative effect on Christmas for many years to come. Christmas just wouldn't be the same. And several years before this, my family had already gotten rid of the Christmas tree. You know, it was no longer part of our Christmas decorations. We had an old aunt, Aunt Elsie, we called her. She was an old Pentecostal saint and very well respected as a spiritual lady, a real prayer warrior, a fervent believer. And she had come to our home several years before around Christmas time and saw our Christmas tree and there she opened her Bible um, to Jeremiah 10 and and instructed us that God didn't want us to be like the heathen. So that Christmas, the Christmas tree went into the trash uh, long before Christmas Day. And after Brother Branham's death, you know, then um, there was um, a great desire that was um, expressed, uh, especially... Uh, by the believers to print Brother Brandon's sermons. Brother Roy Borders, who was his uh, campaign manager, uh, started the spoken word publications. And my family donated to that cause during that time as well as many others. And the first sermons that were printed of Brother Brandon was the last sermon that he preached, which was communion, Priest of Tucson Tabernacle. And after that, Brother Borders would print Uh, sermons just as he saw fit from different year spans and um, I I just want to say the word the Lord was precious in those days meaning the sermons were not readily available Uh, and although um, my family had um, attended Brother Branham's meetings in Shreveport since the late 40s and and I know in the 50s uh, particularly we didn't own any tapes nor a tape player. By the providence of God, we received a valuable machine from my dad's brother who uh, died of cancer in 1961. And he wheeled my dad his tape recorder. Very few people owned one at that time. And it would be on that machine that we listened to our first tapes. Um, Those days, we borrowed tapes from others and listened to those tapes as tapes were very expensive to own. A whole set of them would cost about $10,000 or more. And $10,000 at that time would buy two brand new Ford pickups and still have enough money left over to buy gasoline for them for five years. As my gasoline was about 18, 19 cents a gallon. And, you know, desiring to have our own collection of tapes, my dad purchased a, another reel to reel recorder. So that when we borrowed a tape from someone who had one that we didn't own, we could record it. And uh, that, that allowed us to uh, get a small com- collection of, of uh, Brother Branham's sermons. It would be later in the 70s as a church that we received a collection of 50 sermons from the William Branham Evangelistic Association that they donated to our church. But it would not be until the 1980s, the late 1980s, I'd start buying um, the tapes. And finally, in the 1990s, we would own an entire set of cassettes of Brother Branham's sermons, which we, uh, we put in the library and we would use them for a master. And with a duplicator, we'd provide a copy for checkout out in the library. And um, this set of cassettes with this duplicate cost about $15,000, but I was determined that our church would have access to every sermon Brother Branham preached. Wow. And so, and I, and I just want to say today, we still provide complete entire libraries of Brother Branham's. They're on an SD card that is, uh, that is smaller than the, the cap of that where that a reel-to-reel um, set of tapes would, would uh, fill the walls you know and um, the cassettes would take uh, dozens uh, about a dozen different cabinets there to hold them all in but you can you can go to the library today and there are SD cards with every sermon of brother Brown's on that that you can you can read or listen to and uh, I just also want to say that I've just ordered another um, another 30 sets I think of the uh, supernatural books so we have those that are there at the library. If you're here at the church, you can, you can obtain them here. Otherwise, if you're mail-order somewhere, uh, we, don't mail, we don't mail them out. But um, I, I, I just kind of want to kind of bring you to where we're at. You know, um, from that time, as I go back thinking about early ministers' meetings, um, they were like this. Uh, the ministers would get up and, and, you know, everybody wanted to know what Brother Branham had to say on the subject because they looked to him as a prophet and who spoke with um, a, a biblical authority. And so the minister's meeting would be like this. You know, Brother Branham said on tape so-and-so, uh, reel two second side footage so-and-so, and, and, and this is verbatim well you didn't own the tape so you just had to take your their word and if you did own the tape it was serious effort to have to find that quote and um, you know it it was um, it was very very difficult times as far as that there was many many rumors as to what brother brandon said or taught or ideas that would come up that and even a lot of doctrines would come up in that era Um, because that the message was not readily available. And being that there was not much in print, well, quote books were started that contained uh, quotes on various subjects. One of the first was the Nugget book. That was by uh, a pastor in Georgia, Brother Jack Palmer. Uh, Many of you don't know, but the Stanky family here um, down in Manny, uh, for their business, they owned a mimeograph machine. And so, um, some of the first of those quote books would be reproduced on their machine and distributed. Because uh, you just bear in mind that many people didn't have uh, access to the messages themselves, and and, uh, and so these quote books were uh, very important in that, in that time. And um, brother Palmer. Although he was a longtime visitor at, uh, at the Branham Tabernacle, and Brother Branham often mentioned him, he had his own ideas about things. He had his own ideas on Christmas, and he misused and used the quotes to support his ideas. And leaving out of his quote book uh, statements that would have given a balanced view of, um, of the thought on Christmas. But, you know, just giving you a little background to the time, even if you go back and listen to question answer 64, what, what do you hear the people asking? They're saying, should a woman wear pajamas? Is it okay to, cut, to, to shave your legs? Um, you know, all kinds of, can you wear a, a rat or a mouse in your hair? You know, just all kinds of questions on basically on do's and don'ts. You know, because it was a time of sanctification where people were wanting to be cleansed of of everything that was wrong. And so we had just left denominations, we had a zeal to repent, and we wanted to shed ourselves of the tradition of men and every denominational idea and tradition, it, uh, it just automatically became suspect. So we even, wow, during that time, we even passed around tracts from the Jehovah's Witness against Christmas. You know, any, anything that we could, um, we could come up with. And, you know, Brother Palmer was also against Sunday school. And so the nugget book contained every quote to make it seem Brother Branham was against Sunday school, uh, which it is a Methodist tradition. It's not exactly biblical, but that doesn't make it wrong. <laughs> You know, certainly mothers should be and dads should be teaching their children at home, but to have a little service for the young people and in the, in the, in the, uh, for, for them to, to gather together and do things, I, I think is a good thing. I'll just tell you, I had one of them, and not the first, but I had one of my experiences with God in, in a children's church, and uh, where, that, where that God did a tremendous work in my life. And, uh, and of course, he also had his ideas uh, uh, about Christmas, and so he only quoted and printed the quotes on the pagan side of Christmas. So being that we were um, only had just a, a little of the message and more and more was coming to the print, you know, we uh, eventually, as I'm... As I was preaching down through time, I would bump into quotes and things that was a little different, and it didn't didn't fit in my understanding, and so I uh, I waited till every sermon got on the computers and where I could search it because there was no why in those days you had a little uh, Tucson Tabernacle printed a uh, a a a big um, concordance. Yeah, and it only contained a few little things you know it really when it come down it wasn't exhaustive and you know and and you would you would have to go and look at that and find a little line and 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 then go back and and research it in the book and so on and on it was a very difficult time so you know you didn't have access and and you got to understand these are the same growing pains that is the experience in places like Japan and when the message is new, or in Africa where the message is new and and they don 't have all the resources and uh, some of them don 't uh, in africa don 't even own a bible that 's right that 's the truth and so you know um, again, we just had the Bible printed in the Um, Chinese language the King James because the authorized legal version of the Bible left out most of the scriptures of the Bible just only what the Communist Party would let them have and many some of our brothers have spent years now in prison for distributing a King James Version Bible you don't realize the blessing that you have just in having a Bible now And so, um, you know, so many times, um, as I said, these quotes were put in there and we couldn't, you couldn't go back and see what he said before or catch the context or what he said just after. And and you just had to take um, somebody else's word that they were giving you the complete view and the complete picture. And so, and there was um, one particular um, and very important quote that was so misunderstood um, was the one, and we have seen his star and have come to worship him. And, and Brother Branham is actually given a, um, uh, an altar call and asking people, you know, to come to Christ. And he says, so he's, he does it in first person of the repentant sinner i want to follow i want to follow the morning star i want to follow and find my jesus this day i want to get away from all this here christmas tinsel and things because someday it's going to be burnt with unquenchable fire and all of those who are intolerating with it will be burned with it the world the sinner, will be punished and uh, they will perish with the world the worldly loving people will perish with the world and if you have, those still the love of the world in you, you, you want to sell yourself completely to Christ tonight in his word, raise your hand. Well, you know, uh, we, we actually, in reading this quote, Brother Brandon was saying, I want to get away from this. This is something I want to do. I, I don't want any more Christmas tinsel or, you know, anything. If you, if you participate in it, you'll be burned with unquenchable fire. Well, who wants to be burned with fire? We're trying to make a rapture amen now it seems ridiculous now but then it was thought to wrap a present in with tinsel and give it for christmas with wrapping paper on it if you were intolerated with it you'd burn that's just how how strict this was and and not realizing what brother Branham was even talking about because if you could catch it in the, in the words of Brother Branham, as he would, you know, if you had been there to hear the whole sermon or had the whole tape, you'd have understood a little more what Christmas tinsel he was talking about. And he said, and in in for example, in Where Is He King of the Jews? he said, It's Christmas, all the tinsel up and down the street of Santa Claus, a German fiction, a Catholic dogma, and there's not one ounce of it true. And it takes the place of Jesus Christ in the hearts of too many Americans. Christmas don't mean Santa Claus. Christmas means Christ. It's not some man with a pipe in his mouth and coming down a chimney and teaching your children such as that. What do you expect them to grow up to be? Tell them the tell them the truth, not some fictitious story. Tell them there's a God in heaven who sent his son. And that's what Christmas means. And he's near coming again. And as the pressure begins to come on the earth and the devil has put out his things by eyes, what you can see the tinsel and so forth. And then God has put out his, which is, is, which is spirit that you can't see, but you believe. So, you know, here Brother Branham was explaining what he's talking about is Christmas tinsel. The tinsel that had been put around the, the birth of Christ. Uh, adding there a Santa Claus and a German fiction and, and denominational fiction and all of these things. Now, you see, it's not, it's not the, sh- the tinsel, the shiny paper on a gift that's going to make you burn. It's the tinsel of religion and rejecting Christ. As Brother Brandon would say about the moron. He said the moron got the gift and he said he opened it up you know and he kept the box and threw away the gift and he said this is what the world is doing they're taking the trappings of religion and the wrappings around it of church and society and doctrines and creeds and whatever but they're rejecting the present they're throwing that away now, so, so it's not the tinsel, the shiny paper on a gift that'll make you burn. It's the tinsel of religion, the wrappings of creeds and dogmas, uh, denominations of fiction of false teaching that they've tried to wrap around Christ. And when you open it up, there's no savior in it at all. It's a Santa Claus story, a fictional story of false baptisms and false intellectual births. So now, here's a parallel of what he was bringing. You know, today, we bring we, we get a great big present, we wrap it up. Take $3 to wrap it up and put all kinds of tinsel on it. Now, brother, $3 don't sound like much today, but $3 would have been a lot more than probably the present. So he said, you get a big present, we wrap it up, take $3 to wrap it up. I put all kind of tinsel on it. Many times you think it's a great present. You know, you've got a cheap gift with elaborate packaging. Yeah. And, 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 and that's exactly what religion is offering today, a cheap gift. Yeah. But elaborate, elaborate packaging, yeah. shiny, big buildings, yeah. gold, silver. Yeah. And I'm promising you Cadillacs, yeah. every other kind of prosperity are you with me so you know to, so he said And a woman standing in the store the other day two of them talking one said the other she was gonna get her daddy um talking to her sister what are you gonna get daddy I'm gonna get him a deck of cards and and a carton of cigarettes and she said well I got him a fifth of whiskey and I'm going to wrap it up now see first of all this is what brother Bannon was against giving gifts that dishonored Christ how can you honor Christ given whiskey and alcohol, beer, a deck of cards? You see, um, cigarettes and, and the, see the tinsel on the outside isn't what declares what's on the inside. So this is what he. This is the whole point that he's trying to make. The tinsel of religion has taken away from the real gift. And, and you got all this tinsel, but on the other side, on the inside, you got the maddening wine, of fornication given out by the great whore. Are you with me? That'll make you drunk till you see three gods. Are you with me? Amen. But he says, Cry, but God has a Christmas present for you. Tonight, he wrapped it in a manger. The outside wasn't very much. But it's the inside that is eternal life. Amen. Won't you let this phenomenon of the Holy Spirit strike your life tonight and lead you to the eternal life? Again, he would talk about the moon, how it reflects the sun. And then he compared that to the church. How the church of the Lord Jesus Christ should be reflecting the light of while he's absent from the earth in a physical body. The church should be the reflection of Jesus Christ in these dark hours. When Santa Claus and the tinsel all over the street, we should scream out. It's the birth of Jesus Christ and not the visit of St. Nicholas. We're living in an awful dark time and that's when our light should really shine, amen. So Brother Branham never told us to quit observing Christmas. He said, Let your light shine during Christmas and say, What we're doing is about the birth of Jesus Christ. Again, and why Little Bethlehem? He said, um, You know, he talks about the, the, how the Christmas day was really a pagan day set aside by the pagans the day the december 25th or thereabout it was was made the sun god's birthday which is the solar at the 20 around the 21st and 25th of december the sun um as it uh, you know as it the length of day you know gets uh, shorter and shorter until we come down to uh the the uh, uh about the 25th of december and then every day it will it will start gradually getting longer and longer and longer and so he said, um, so that was the sun god's birthday because he, he came, he de- went and decline and it became winter time. And then right around that time, it would start now toward a birth and, and it would bring forth the spring, right? So there was the heathen would do it as a, um, 25th around the 25th and they would observe that day to, uh, to, uh, to honor the sun god. And so we know what, what it is. We know the pagan origin. But listen to your prophet. And this, is, this again is why little Bethlehem, he said, but remember, whatever day it might be, we still doesn't take away the sacredness of what it's supposed to be where Satan has robbed us of this has made the great commercial and and Santa Claus stole all of the worship. So, you know, again, no matter what day it is, are you with me? It shouldn't take away of what it's supposed to be. Amen. That Satan has robbed us and made it this great commercial and Santa Claus stole all the worship. Uh, again we have other days like this We have Thanksgiving Day And Thanksgiving Day is not the day the pilgrims had a meal with On the third Thursday of, of, of November It wasn't that day and, and where them and the Indians gave thanks for the harvest But it's just a day set aside to remember Remember and this is a time where the world is pausing to remember, but it's also an important time for us to stop and remember. Yes. Yes. And Brother Branham said, it doesn't matter what day it might be, we, st- we still doesn't take away from the sacredness of what it's supposed to be. Amen. So in other words, keep it, keep it, um, keep it sacred. It's just like the day, the world today. The kids on the street can tell you more about Davy Crocker or they can, uh, than Jesus Christ. They can tell you more about some outlaw or some criminal of days gone by than they can the principle of, of life that was born 1900 years ago. But that doesn't take the real thing away from we Christians. You see, the light shines best in the darkness. The forked lightning in the black cloudy skies at night shows there can be light in darkness. And when the light is shining, if the sun is shining, you don't need the lights too much. But the darker, the smaller the light, the greater it will shine in the darkness. Darker, the better. Shows itself better. And we Christians ought to be testifying to the glory of God giving his son to us. This Christmas ought to be an outstanding thing. We Christians ought, no matter how much it looks, it'll make it shine that much better. The whole world's got tinsel, we got Christ. And that's what we ought to be letting shine in this dark hour that we're now living in. Now, so this is Brother Branham's um, view of Christmas and the way that he, he looked at it. It doesn't matter really what day it would. It's just a day set aside. It's a day to stop and remember. Whichever day, we ought to remember. But this is a day to gather together with family and talk about a Savior, a gift that God gave to the world. Now, Jeremiah 10 was included in the nugget book of quotes on Christmas, and there's not a single reference in the entire message, all of Brother Branham's sermons, that he ever points to Jeremiah 10 and say, this is a Christmas tree. Not one, not one single entry. Not one statement. So, Jeremiah 10 I mean if it was a Christmas tree It looked like a prophet would know it Now he did read it And preach from it On the signs of his coming But he, you know, he didn't say now look folks Don't have a Christmas tree Because this is the way of the, the way, of the, learn the way of, Don't learn the way of the heathen No he stood there and he preached Don't learn the way of the heathen Who are amazed at the signs And they don't recognize their day in visitation Don't be like the heathen that way Now So Jeremiah 10, let's just read it together. Jeremiah 10 and 2, thus saith the Lord, learn not the way of the heathen and be not dismayed at the signs of the heaven for the heathen are dismayed at them. For the custom of the people are vain. For one cutteth a tree out of the forest, the work of the hands of the workman with an axe. They deck it with silver and with gold, and they fasten it with nails and with hammers that it move not. They're upright as a palm tree, but don't speak not. They must need to be born because it cannot go. Be not afraid of them, for they cannot do evil, neither also is it in them to do good. So, you know, Anne Elsie and former Pentecostals and others, uh, you know, uh, message people brought their own ideas. And, and along with Brother Branham's death at Christmas Eve, it cast, cast a gloom over, over Christmas. And a Christmas tree became pro- a prohibitive item. You know, it, it was heathen, it was pagan. We're not to have that. And, and i just say this it's okay if you don't want one. Someone said to me, Brother Tim, you're the one bringing Christmas trees back in the message. I'm not doing no such thing. I, I don't care if you ever have one. That's fine with me. I don't care one way or the other, but don't use Jeremiah 10 to support your idea. Now, let me read from the, from the New Living Translation as sometimes the King James kind of gets... Uh, with the old English makes it a little difficult to understand. And let's just, uh, let's do, I want you to follow me verse by verse in the King James. Now, verse two, this is what the Lord says. Do not act like the other nations who try to read their future in the stars. Do not be afraid of their predictions, even though other nations are terrified by them. Their ways are futile and foolish and foolish. They cut down a tree, and a craftsman carves an idol. Verse 4, they decorate it with gold and silver. Of course you go, nobody can afford a big gold idol. So what do they do? They go and they cut it, cut the tree. They farm with the work of a craftsman, and they make an idol And then you will read down here where beaten beaten plates of gold come from Tarsus and different other places and they take and form that around the idol. They deck it with silver and gold and make it elaborate instead of just a piece of wood. All right. So now they, verse four, they decorate it with gold and silver. They fasten it securely with hammers and nails so it won't fall over. Their gods are like helpless scarecrows in a cucumber field. that cannot speak and they need to be carried because they cannot walk. Don't be afraid of such God for they can neither harm you nor do you any good. Lord, there is none like you. Now, I want to just say to you, Jeremiah Chin is actually comparing an idol with a living God. So it's a comparison of... An idol worship who has to be carried, who is man-made, who is taken out of a, you know, just a tree, decked with, with silver and gold. It's, it's not a living, a living creature, but our church, our, ours is a living God. There's none like thee. Thou art great, and thy name is full of power. Who would not fear you, O king of nation? That title belongs to you alone. Among all the wise people of the earth in all the kingdoms of the world, there is no one like you. People who worship idols are stupid and foolish. The things they worship are made of wood. That's pretty stupid, ain't it? They bring beaten sheets of silver from Tarsus and gold from Euphi's. And they give these materials to skillful craftsmen who make their idols. Then they dress these gods in royal blue and purple robes made by expert tailors. All right? And but, now we're comparing them with God, but the Lord is the only true God... He is the living God and the everlasting king, and the whole earth trembles at his anger. The nations cannot stand up to his wrath. Verse 11, say this to those who worship other gods. Your so-called gods, who did not make the heavens and earth, will vanish from the earth and from under the heavens. Verse 12, but the Lord made the earth by his power, And he preserves it by his wisdom. With his own understanding, he stretches out the heavens. When he speaks in the thunder, the heavens roar with rain. He causes clouds to rise over the earth. He sends lightning with the rain and releases the wind from his storehouses. The whole human race, verse 14, the whole human race is foolish and has no knowledge. The craftsman is disgraced by the idols they make. Even the King James says, graven image. For they carefully shaped works are a fraud. These idols have no breath or power. Idols are worthless, they are ridiculous lies. And on the day of reckoning, they will always be destroyed. But The God of Israel is no idol. He is the creator of everything that exists, including Israel, his own special possession. The Lord of heaven's armies is his name. Hallelujah. Now, Brother Branham had a Christmas tree. You won't read far in the message to find that out. But he was against putting more emphasis on decoration even, even the tree, then give an emphasis to Christ. That's what he was against. Make Christ the emphasis of your Christmas. Now, in the message, Harvest Time is one that I, I would like to look at. And, and this is where he says, this is 1964, 12, 12. And every one of us plays Santa Claus. I want you to watch his wording. Every one of us plays Santa Claus and decorate trees of heathenism and things like that, and then call ourselves Christians, what's the matter with the Christian church? So a lot of people look at that and say, Well, brother, Brother Tim, they're right there. Brother Branham called it heathenism, and then we call ourselves Christians. And what's the matter with us? What's the matter as a Christian church? But in the context of what he's saying, the way that Brother Branham says things. You have to know, you have to be a student of the message to understand that when he said, Every one of us plays Santa Claus and decorate trees, he is talking about decorating trees with Santa Claus. Yeah. Keep it in context of what he's talking about. And then he, that's the heathenism, that's the paganism. That's where you're kind of bringing, you know, uh, the spirit of Christmas where spirits are released during that time. And, you know, that new year from the sun God and, and, and roam the streets and bless the poor and give gifts to them. But you see, again, why would Brother Branham tell us, you know, this and, and he himself goes and, and decorates a tree and continues to do so. So in this in this statement, he's speaking of playing Santa Claus and decorating a tree with Santa Claus, and he's very much against a fable taking the place of the real truth of Christmas. I, you know, even I, I I look a lot of see these people on Facebook, and where they where they put out their display of all their life and their secrets, and here they got their kids and their grandkids on Santa's lap. And callers have message believers, they're heathen. Amen. You know, so Brother Brandon was against that. He was saying, keep it about Jesus. Amen. And he, you know, said, so don't let a, the place, uh, let a fable take the place of the truth of Christmas and a ridiculous old man called Saint Nick take the place of God, giving us the gift of a Savior. Now, in the great shining light, Brother Branham says this, and this is the warning that he's given. He said, "We at this time of season, as we focus our thinking toward Christmas, it's too bad we have a lot of it, a lot of it uh, to a myth called Santa Claus instead of the real Christmas that it's supposed to be." Many little children in the land today nothing know nothing more. Then Christmas means a sleigh full of toys or some mystic reindeer's pounce, pouncing on their house uh, to only learn later of this myth to even hurt their faith when it comes to know the true Christmas story. And it had nothing to do with reindeers or a man smoking a pipe with a fur around his coat. It was the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, Amen. the birth of our blessed Lord Jesus. You see, this is, this is what Christmas meant to Brother Branham. Right. Now, you know, again, and I, I as you know, in um, God's gift, he said, I've got a, a little boy small enough yet to kind of want a Christmas tree, and we've had it in the room. And this morning, I go there, and I find several gifts from my church here, and my friends from around different places that come, come in laying under the tree, and I don't have words to express to you how much I appreciate every one of them and may the God of heaven bless you richly is my prayer. Why didn't he tell the people we're sinning because when we're heathen and we're pagans and and you know I got a tree but I want to quit it and I got all these presents and stuff that is under there And, and instead of thanking the people for the gifts why didn't he say don't you give me another gift that's paganism. He had every opportunity to do that. And instead, he's thanking them and saying, I'd like to give you all a gift, but you know, I'm one person and you're many, and it would be impossible for me to buy you all a gift. Now, and he says, I've got a big family and I've got 10 million friends. It'd be hard for me to get enough to go all around them. So, you know, many people would be surprised if you lived at Jeffersonville, you know, you would understand that every Christmas, Brother Branham would go with his family to the woods and cut a tree and bring it home and decorate it. They'd either go and drive the station wagon or get an old, his old truck and go out to the woods and get one. But you know, his last Christmas, you say, he died in 65. Yeah, that's what I told Sister Rebecca when she told me this. You see, at that time I was, um, I, 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 I studied this whole thing out, and let me just tell you, I was the most anti, anti, anti preacher against Christmas ever. I mean, it was one of the major doctrines baptizing Jesus' name and no Christmas. That was me. And then I knew that, you know, as I got more of the message in my hands, I knew there was things I couldn't fit in that slot. So I just said, well, he wanted to get away from it. You know, and he didn't know quite how to do it. And then there was a story of of a family friend who would come and put up a Christmas tree every year, and Brother Branham didn't know how to tell him not to do it. He really didn't want it. And so... I finally got all the message on computer. And I'm a student. I leave no, no stones unturned. I want to be right. And I did not go to study it so that I, I could quit preaching about Christmas and we could have Christmas. I went to study that because I was going to give one big death blow to Christmas once and for all. I was going to smash it. I'd get it from this way and the progressive side of the message, and have Brother Branham wanted to get away. And, and, you know, I was, and so I started studying way back in, in about May or June for Christmas message. I was going to deal with it once and for all. Now, there wouldn't be no question about it when I got through with it. And as I studied it, I sank lower and lower and lower. And, Lord, and I said man I can't even tell people Merry Christmas that's like a curse word I can't I, I, I don't give gifts I, I can't say you know I a tree what you know Jeremiah 10 and I can't find a reference and then I began to look at Jeremiah 10 and it ain't even about a Christmas tree it's about an idol and then I go to be looking at all these other things and what Brother Branham wanted, what he did and how he did and how he, how, how he took the things he said and applied them. And, and so and so in 19, as I, as I said, I was, um, I was a ghost writer for Only Believe. I answered some of the questions for them and sent it in to Sister Rebecca. So I kind of felt free to call her and I said, I, I, I want to know what this about christmas what did brother branham doing first thing she had you know on the defense she said well i'll just tell you right now what we do for christmas and i could hear it you know in her voice you know what we do for christmas i buy I, i buy george a suit and he buys me a suit and we give it to missionary that's what we do every christmas i said okay that's fine but i won't know what brother branham did oh well brother branham loved christmas i said what about a tree?" And he said, "Uh, you know, he he said that's paganism or heathenism, didn't he? Well, and she laughed and said, well, I don't know how to explain all that, but I just know what daddy did. I said, let me tell you about the last Christmas. I said, 1964. He said, no, 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 1965. I said, wait a minute. Brother Branham died before Christmas. She said, yeah, I know. We were preparing to leave for Jeffersonville. And mom said to dad, we want to. We want to uh, put any decorations and and preparations for Christmas in Jeffersonville. And and, um, so daddy daddy didn't say much and said, after a little while, he came back and we found him in the living room. And he had a little cheap Christmas tree. She said, it was so cheap and ugly, I, I didn't know what to think about it, you know. And of course, you know, you couldn't go there and... In the desert, and cut down a tree, right. so he went to the department store and bought an artificial tree, and said he was there in the middle of the floor assembling that and whistling and putting balls on it and 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 and, and um, tinsel and things on it and lights and lighting it up and he was just a so whistling going on. And said Dad loved to decorate a Christmas tree, and so. That was Brother Branham. Every Christmas, Brother Branham and Brother Neville would receive a gift from the church. It's okay if you start that here. <laughs> and and then they would then they would each have a little gifts for each each child. It might consist of a little bag with some fruit or some candy and a little small gift in there. You know, that they would have for each each child be all right to start that too. You know, and remember our little ones. They're special to us. And it's not just because I got grandpa-itis either. But you saw me a while ago. I know how to handle kids. So, as Brother Branham said in question answers 59, he said, I appreciate your prayers And by God's help and grace, a very Merry Christmas to every one of you. Remember my saying, this is not Santa Claus, this is for Jesus. You see, Christmas means Christ. Turn to your neighbor and just say that. Christmas means Christ. Amen. Now, when I, you know, as I come across these... I say, no, no, no! Christmas doesn't mean Christ. Christmas means the Antichrist. It's a heathen. It's pagan. But Brother Adams telling me it means Christ. Yes. And he said we were writing last night, showing the kiddies all the houses decorated and everything, which is awful nice. But I thought if I ever had anything on my house that I ever wanted to write would be a neon sign. Trusting Christ will be in your Christmas. That's right. Put Christ back in Christmas. Yes. And Brother Brandon said, I, apparently he didn't put lights on his house, but he said, if I did, I'd want a big neon one that said, trusting Christ will be in your Christmas. Put Christ back in the Christmas. So, you know, whatever you do as a family, About Christmas, put Christ in it. That's all. Amen. Just put Christ in it. Make sure there's no fiction in it. Let's tell them what what God did, sending a Savior into the world. Amen. And and, And make this about the birth of Christ. Now, I'm sorry. I took too much time on that, and I hadn't got to my message yet. All of that was just pastoral duties and cleanup. Now, you know, two thousand years ago, it was fulfilled. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and that son was to be called Emmanuel, which would be God with us. And he that he that came from God would be of a new race. And, and out of that race, uh, this would be a God race, and out of that race would come from him a woman. And that woman was to be without spot or wrinkle or blemish. Now, as Brother Branham said in the, in the Ephesian church age, he said, who walketh in the midst of the golden candlesticks, how meaningful those words are when viewed in the light of the scripture when he, which is describes him as Christ who is our life for Christ indeed is the life of the church. She has no other life. Without him, she's just simply a religious society, a club, or you would call it a lodge, a meaningless gathering of people. As a corpse bejeweled and dressed, is still a corpse so the church, no matter what her programs and her glorious efforts might achieve. Without Christ, she's a corpse also. But with him in her midst Oh don't you want him in your midst With him in her midst With him motivating her She becomes to the wonderment of all his body The fullness of him That filleth all in all And this very hour Oh I love these words Right now this very hour, he's walking in the midst of the last age, golden candlestick. As he, what he was as he walked in the first age, he is even now in this last age. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah! Oh, he said seven golden candlesticks, like Ezekiel twenty-five thirty-one says, and thou shalt make a candlestick of pure gold, of beaten work. Shall the candlestick be made, his shaft, his branches, his bowls, his knobs, his flowers shall be of the same. The true church of Jesus Christ, the bride, is likened to pure gold. Her righteousness is his righteousness. Her attributes is his own glorious attributes. Her identity is found in him. What he is, she is to reflect. What he has, she is to manifest. There is no fault in her. She is all glorious within and without. From beginning to ending, she's the work of her Lord. And all his works are perfect. In her, in fact, in her is summed up and manifested the eternal wisdom and purpose of God. How can one fathom it? How can one understand it? Though we cannot do that, we can accept it by faith, for God has spoken it. This is what God has. Amen. Even even sometimes I'll tell you, I don't know how God's gonna do this. But He said, Amen. I'll have a bride, she will be without spot, without a wrinkle, or without a blemish. Amen. Somehow, you know, somehow it looks difficult, and somehow, but let me tell you, somehow. The blemishes caused by satanic infiltrations of men who wanted the church for their own bride and the building of their own kingdom to be a womb to sow their own seeds. Somehow, these blemishes will all fade away knowing the ability of the pure word of God to cleanse her by the washing of the water of the word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I tell you this morning, if you've been wounded, if you've been crippled up in your spirit, if you've been blemished by manhandling, and your faith has been diminished by false doctrine, come and be washed by the word. Let it cleanse you, let it heal those wounds. Amen. Because he said, I'll have a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle. She'll be washed by the washing of the water of the word. It'll wash away every stain. Hallelujah. Ever creed of man, ever dogma of man, it'll wash it all away and make her clean. Hallelujah. Ever hurt, ever false doctrine, ever false teaching. God said, I'll have this bride. She will be without spot, without a wrinkle, without a bleed. A virgin bride that's been spoken of, that's been prophesied to be here in this day. Let me tell you of another prophecy spoken of, and pick up your pen and write where the Holy Spirit moved upon a prophet, his prophet to write. And let me just bear bear this in mind: this is a prophecy. Said the law of reproduction, bringing forth his kind, Genesis one eleven. These days, the true bride comes to the headstone. We'll be a super church, hallelujah, a super race. A lot of times I look around and say, I don't know how God's gonna do it, but he prophesied it, hallelujah. He said it would be, amen, a super race, a super church. as she nears that great headstone. And we are nearing the great headstone of the capping off of the church, the return of Jesus Christ. Amen. We are nearing that moment where the whole plan of redemption will be capped up by Christ himself. Just as in that day they were receiving Christ, we in this day are receiving Christ coming again. There's actually a virgin giving birth to it. They will be so much like him. Even they will be in his very image in order to be united with him. They will be one. Hallelujah. They will be the very manifestations of the word of the living God. Denominations can never produce this. They they will produce their creeds and dogmas mixed with the word and it brings a hybrid product so you see again they will never produce this only a virgin bride can produce this only a cleansed womb of people who have been made virgin by the washing of the water by the word now again brother Bradham was to say this he said the first son was a spoken word of seed word of God he was given a bride to produce himself see that's what the, the bride was given for her to produce himself again. Another son of God, but she failed by high breeding. She produced himself, but she fell, caused him to die. And the second son, a spoken word, seed word of God was given a bride like Adam. But before he could marry her, remember, before she, they could go to the marriage supper, she had already fallen for she was put on a free moral agency like Adam's wife was to believe God's word and live or doubt it and die. And she did. But then he says, then, and I'm glad we can say then. Amen, we have this failure back in Eden. We have this failure with the second Adam's bride. She becomes a fallen woman, the great whore in the book of Revelation. Somebody with me? But then, from a little group of the true seed of the word, God will present Christ a beloved bride, a virgin, a virgin to his word. Hallelujah. And through them, oh, listen now, and by them will be fulfilled all that's been promised for his word in the virgin. Hallelujah. You see, there's scripture after scripture that prophesied of you coming. Even as the Old Testament would foreshadow the coming of the groom, even the New Testament foreshadows the coming of a bride, a bride who will be in his image. She will be like him. She will fulfill all the types of the scriptures. Do you realize we are not in a time where we're typing another age to come? But we are now the fulfilling of all the types of all the scripture that pointed to this day and to this hour. Hallelujah. So, we're not prophesying of another people. We are the people. We are the people of the book. We are the people of the promise. Amen, from this little group of the seed word, God will present himself a virgin bride a beloved bride. The word of promise in himself like it was in Mary by supernatural act. You see, a message that came from an angel. God himself made manifest. He will act himself by his own word of promise to fulfill what has been written of him as he did when he came from from the virgin womb. Type of the spirit womb now. So will the virgin now accepting his word be it unto me uh, as be it unto me as thou hast said, though it was said by an angel, while it was yet written, word Isaiah nine and six, Amen. Hallelujah! It's going to be fulfilled in somebody. You see, there's been fulfillments down to the scripture. Amen. There, you know, God gave Adam a wife, reflecting a virgin. He would give Sarah to Abraham, reflecting a virgin. He would give all of these characters down to the Bible reflecting God taking a wife. Hallelujah, but let me tell you, all of those words, every one of those types are now not pointing to another age, but they're all pointing to this age. They're all pointing to you to be the fulfillment of the scripture. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life he would say to the denomination, but they're not testifying of you they're testifying of me, and I want you to know there is a people on the earth that the Bible is testifying of, the message is testifying of, it is prophesied of the people in this last day Hallelujah They will love him Did you hear those words? Finally, that one that God said, oh, that they would love me. They will love him and will have his potentials. For he is their head. And they are his subjects and subject to his head. And the headship of Christ was his. Notice what harmony. Oh, listen, I want you to get this. It's important you understand this bride will be in harmony with the word. A bride and elect people in harmony with Him. See, Jesus never did anything until seen of the Father, and the Father showed Him first harmony between God and Christ, John five nineteen. So will the bride; He shows her His Word of Life, and she receives it. She never doubts it. Nothing can harm her, not even death, for if the seed be planted, the water will raise it up again. Here's the secret. The word is in the bride and the mind of Christ to know what he wants done with the word and she does it in his name and she has thus saith the Lord. Then it's Germanized so the Holy Spirit waters it until it's grown and serves His purpose. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Listen about this bride. They do only his will. Yes. Amen. I'll believe that he said. No one can persuade them different. They have thus saith the Lord, or they keep still, they don't have their own message. Come on, they're willing to let go of their Mennonite, Baptist, Pentecostal. Amen, even what traditions you've been shut down your throat by message preachers. Amen, they're willing to let go of every bit of it. They have thus saith the Lord. They don't have a different message from him. His message is her message. His truth is her truth. Amen. Then they will do the works of God, for it is he, it is himself in them, continuing his word to fulfill, as he did not complete all things when he was here, for it was not time yet. But now it's time. Amen. It's time for him to continue his ministry in bride form. 2,000 years ago was the groom coming. Today is the bride coming. He's coming in the form of a bride. Behold the virgin. Hallelujah. If you ain't figured it out yet, that's what I'm preaching on. Behold the virgin. Shall conceive. And she's gonna bring forth Christ to the earth again. Somebody's gotta do it. Amen, I there's no more ages to come. There's got to be a people that rise in this day and hour and say, I have been called. I have been ordained. I have been prophesied. Of. This is my moment. This is my time. This is who I am. I am not defeated. I am. De- my name is not defeat. My name is not failure. My name is not unbelief. But my name is the prize of Jesus Christ. Miss Jesus Christ. I have his identity. I have his life. I have his power. And all that he is. Somebody has to fulfill the scripture. And I say, it might as well be me. Thank you. So they have to follow him in the resurrection. These are the people who are resurrected out of sin and recreated as a new creation out of the decay of sin and death, resurrected into a new life. Amen. And I, I want you to know, hey, amen, in this resurrection, there's a bride who is risen out of dark denominationalism. Amen. She's been in the tomb a lot longer than Lazarus. But I want to just testify this morning, there is no smell of death on them. And they have, shed, they have shed their grave clothes. They have heard the message, loose them and let them go. They're not wrapped up in the tradition of man, but they have the word of God and they're walking the newness of life. No smell of death. No smell of a creed. No smell of dogma. Speaking of being washed by the water of the word and cleansing the church, it's impossible for you to understand the ministry of Christ without getting the larger picture of redemption sweeping salvage plan. His miracles today are the same miracles as his was back then, and God showed them to this generation and continues to show them. Those are miracles of restoration. Amen, restoration to health. How many's been healed by divine healing? Yes. Amen, resurrection to life. Yes. How many was dead in sins and trespasses yes. and been resurrected to life? Yes. Restoration. Yes. Amen, Resur- restoration to freedom from demonic oppression and, de- and possession. How many knows you were once a slave of sin, yes. but now you are delivered? Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. His miracles of 2,000 years ago and his miracles today. It shows us over and over again the meaning of redemption. That is the freeing of all creation from the shackles of sin. No wonder, brother, the angels screamed out, glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Amen. It's a freeing of the, co- the creation from the shackles of sin. And sickness and evil and a reinstatement of the bride that he had at Pentecost. This bride, this resurrection for this bride is a restoration. Thus it is a reintroduction of of a bride without spot or wrinkle or blemish. A virgin bride. They are pure without spot. They fulfill, they are the embodiment of these words. They walk with him in white, for they are worthy. Amen. It's the bride of the book of Acts being reintroduced. So, you know, again, it's the scripture being reintroduced or, you know, repeating itself. Are you with me? We look back 2,000 years, behold, a virgin shall conceive. But in this age, there's also a virgin that got a message from an angel. Hallelujah. The same angel of the Lord that led the children of Israel out of Egypt to a promised land. It's the same angel of God that's leading us to our promised land. Amen. If I go away, I'm not gonna leave you alone. Amen, I'm going to come again, is his words. Amen, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. Amen, amen, but I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there, you may be also. Somebody's got to fulfill that. As I last said last Sunday, the bride has been seen both in review and preview. As he saw the bride will come into preview again. You see, she had been in review, and he saw what she was in Acts, and she saw the dirty church she became in Europe, and saw her in America. But now he says she will come back in. She will come back in. Preview again, or again. She will, I'm going to show you what she's going to be. She's in preview. Let me give you a preview of this. Let me give you a sneak peek. man, What I'm going to do? And he said, and here the bride came behind her, the very same looking bride that passed at the beginning. Visions never fail. That's what we base our faith in this message on. They never fail. It's always the truth, and this vision cannot fail. There has to be a bride that was seen in preview come back into view again. Oh, Hallelujah! I can already see her rising. Hallelujah! I can see her rising. My heart node jumped for joy to know there will be a bride. And she'll be made out of the same thing, clothed in the same thing that was the one in the beginning she is to be called. And I know this is the truth. If that isn't true, then every vision I ever had in the back has been wrong. Hear what he said. If this vision isn't so, then every vision I ever had wasn't so. Amen. And anyone knows that there's not one thing he ever told us but what it was the truth. Amen. it came to pass. Now, he saw a review of the original bride. Then he saw the church as it evolved into this whorish, lewd, stripped, naked harlot dancing to the tune of rock and roll. And then he saw the preview, a display of the bride before she becomes fully revealed. And he says, now listen, she was the cleanest, sweetest looking people I ever seen in my life. Here the prophet is talking about you, the cleanest, sweetest-looking people I've ever seen in all my life. Her eyes up, watching as she passed by. Hallelujah! Oh, that's where I want my eyes. Amen. For when you see all these things come to pass, come on, look up. Your redemption draweth nigh. Amen, and I want my eyes on him. Not my eyes on CNN, Not my eyes on Fox News. Not my eyes on what the world is doing. Come on somebody, Not my eyes on some kind of conspiracy theory. Amen hey, don't listen to those. They don't know what they're talking about. they're not a vindicated voice. they're only guessing. Why go with a guest? We got dust, saith the Lord. We got a message that is vindicated. We don't have to go with gimmicks. I'll just tell you right now, if you've been in the conspiracy theories, get out of them. They're, they're a bunch of hoax and liars anyway, and you don't know what time they're lying. I had a brother come to me and say, Oh, you know them contrails up there, you know up there? And then them them contrails left up there by the planes, Brother Tim, you know what they are? They're, that's poison coming down to kill old people. They don't pay social security anymore. And I looked at him and I thought, You're as dumb as a box of rocks. We're gonna dive something anyhow. So why am I going to worry about contrails up there? Let me look to the promise. Amen. Let me look what God vindicated. I I don't know what these contrails might do to you. I wouldn't say get up there and breathe them. You might fall. (laughs) So he saw her in preview. And here she is being reintroduced, this virgin. Same sweet atmosphere, walking in steps. Both pains, he said, she to be the same bride, the same kind, built out of the same kind of material that she was in the first place. Now read Malachi 4 and see if we're not supposed to have a message in the last day that had turned the hearts of the children back to the fathers, back to the original Pentecostal message, word by word, brothers, we are here. I hear him say in the Eve church, he said, God send us another church just before the end time. Oh, this is my prayer too. It's already been seen in preview, it's coming. Amen. We're here. Yes. Amen. We're we're walking and we're we're seeing. Oh, I hope we're. I hope you begin to see yourself as a part of them. Yes. Amen. Listen, Gladson is another church just for the entire that the power of the Holy Ghost can come into her in demonstrations of the Spirit. Then Mark sixteen can follow the church. Acts 2 and 4, Acts 2.38, all of it will be following right along with the church. Signs and wonders accompanying the apostles. Great signs of his resurrection accompanying them. While we're in prison, surely God's growing a crop somewhere. For this last great kill, may it be you, my Christian friend here this morning. May it be your strength to begin to grow. I pray this message this morning will go out in the land where this will go. I trust this message will bring the vitamin to your system that'll grow a spiritual power back in your life again. Amen. Sometimes, you know, you need to hear the message again. Go back over it again. Amen. I place myself to go through it again. I know what it did for me as a young boy going through it in chronological order where I could follow the breaking of the revelation. I encourage you to do the same. Get into the message. It'll bring the vitamin to your system that'll grow a spiritual power back in your life again. Amen. 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 Now, as in the vision of the preview of the bride, the one at the beginning was reintroduced at the end. Listen to what he says in this quotation. Now, if the church of the living God, which is the pillar of truth, God intended this church to be a powerful church. A glorious church. A a church that the whole world could look upon as the bride of Christ, well expected and espoused. And to live in such an atmosphere and conduct it itself in such a way that God would be proud of this church to present it to Christ and to come in the Lord. It should live in that characteristic in the church. It should be living that way. Amen. A bride well expected and espoused and to live in an atmosphere conducting herself in a way that God would be proud of her Amen. to present it to Christ. You see, I want you to understand, God's relationship with his church is like a loving marriage. Paul likens it to a marriage. You're supposed to be able to come like I did here the other day with my wife, 45 years and no regrets. You see, love is meant to be eternal. Amen, and the right kind of love is an eternal love. Right kind of finding the right mate is an eternal mate. And even if you don't get the, get, get that one here, you'll have it on the other side. But listen, Brother Bradham, talk, Paul's saying in Ephesians 5.25, husband loves your wives, even as Christ loved the church, gave himself for it that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it should be holy and without blemish. This is what God has planned. This is what God has spoke. This is why He gave His Word. His Word is a seed; it must manifest itself. Come on, church! And every seed of God is a perfect seed. Come on, God don't make any junk. Amen, Amen. Amen. and if you're his child, you ain't junk. You may not be everything you're supposed to be right now at this moment, but let me tell you, when you see him, you will be like him. Hallelujah, because there's a change taking place in you as you look at the word and you grow in Christ that you're changed from glory unto glory unto glory. Every seed that comes from God is perfect. He cannot sire an imperfect child. Hello, somebody. Amen. Amen. All of his children are perfect. He created you to be perfect. Amen. And he chose you in him before the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He chose you to fulfill word in scripture for this hour. And you were chosen in him. And the good thing about it, when God chooses you, he cannot unchoose you. He cannot, he cannot bring you into being and then look at you and say, well, your life is a mess and you're a failure and you make this mistake and that mistake, so I'm just gonna wipe you out. He can't do it. He has to stay with his original thought. Hallelujah, amen, and the only thing he can do then is begin to work on you and woo upon you and pull you and baptize you and fill you over and over and over again until you manifest everything he had in his mind before the foundation of the world. You are chosen as a bride, as a people, chosen as Mary was chosen. To be, a vir- to be that virgin that would conceive. There were a lot of other virgins, but here was this one, that he knew what she would do with the word. Now when the word came to Zechariah, he doubted it, and God shut his mouth. He said, you don't believe me? I tell you what, you won't be able to talk. I ain't gonna listen to your nonsense. I don't wanna hear your, your griping and your complaining and you're you're your saying that I can't do this. Amen, so when he comes to Mary, he said, I want you to know that with God there is nothing impossible. You're wondering how in the world this is gonna be and you don't know a man, but I'll tell you what's gonna happen, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. Amen, Amen. and that holy thing that is born in you will be of the Holy Ghost. Come on, it won't be of Joseph, it won't be of a soldier, it won't be of some other man down the street, it'll be of the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you something though, that's exactly the way the Holy Ghost is bringing forth a people in in this day and hour to reproduce Christ, that holy thing that is conceived in you is of the Holy Ghost. It's not man-made, it is not man-given, it's not a creed of man, it's me and I've overshadowed you and you're gonna bring forth a child of the Holy Ghost. You're gonna bring forth Christ back to the earth again. A virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. Hallelujah. The scripture is being repeated again. They in the bride will be just like him. They will be in his image. A bride I'm gonna present to myself. A bride, now let me just tell you, a bride that Brother Branham foreran. You say, Well, Brother Tim, he is to forerun the second coming of Christ, that's right. And he did, and he will, his message does. But I want you to understand what form it came in. Because before there could be a wedding, there has to be a bride. People want to preach and say, he's here, he's here, he's here. Where is he? You know, again, here comes another Christmas message. Where is he king? Hallelujah. Well, I'll tell you where he's king. He's king in his people. He ain't king of the world. He ain't king of of Joe Biden. He ain't king of the Catholic Church, but he's king of you. He's your king. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You come and you adore him. You come and give him gifts. You come and give him honor because it's here that he's king. A glorious church without a spot or wrinkle a virgin conceiving a virgin who meets an angel I want to ask you even if you could call them women of all the churches throughout the land of all the moves. which one has met the angel? who did the angel come to? the angel didn't come to the Baptist. come on the angel came to you. Amen. Amen. The angel, are you with me, church? The angel came to you. Amen. And, and, and you heard a message, and that message said, you're highly favored. In fact, i tell you how favored you are. I didn't just start favoring you. I favored you. You were my heart. You were my life. You were my thoughts. You were the center of all my being before the world began. Hallelujah. You're highly favored. Look, when you look back before the world was begun and you see a lonely God by himself Go beyond angels, go beyond creations of earth, go beyond human life on the earth, animal life, and there was God, and he was the lonely God. He dwelt in and by himself with just his thoughts. And I want you to know with all of those thoughts, every thought he ever had. Whether it was about the earth, whether it was about... You see, the earth was not his, uh, just his... his, Yes, it's his purpose and plan, but that was not the center. The center was not angels. I'll have angels and they'll worship me. That was never the center of his plan. That was never the center of the heart of God. The center of the heart of God was, I don't want to be alone. So I want somebody who is like me. Amen, and that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna reproduce me. I want a family. And I'm gonna reflect it on earth and in the sun, but it's gonna be out of that that I'm gonna bring up people, a people for my name's sake. So every thought he ever had, every purpose in his mind, The reason Christ came The reason he made an earth The reason he sent the prophets The reason he called Israel The reason he sent Jesus The reason that we have a new testament The reason he died on the cross Every reason was because you God so loved you God had his heart set on you And now you're here Hallelujah And a prophet saw you coming and he foretold about to come. And he was a forerunner as John the Baptist. And Brother Bradham would tell you in spoken words original, as John the Baptist would point to Christ and say, behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, so will this prophet, this messenger, point to a word-born bride. Hallelujah, didn't you know Brother Bradham was your forerunner? He was the one point in the way. There's one coming after me. I'm only a forerunner. You've seen Christ work in me, watch him work in the bride. You've seen him heal through me, watch him heal through the bride. You've seen him do miracles, watch what he'll do in a bride. You see, I'm only forerunner, I'm heralding. I'm saying, there's one coming greater than me. It's called the bride, and that bride will be without spot or wrinkle. She'll be the Word made flesh. And I say this morning, she's here. Not just here in the evening like Tabernacle, but around the world. She's here. She's on the earth. There's a people on earth right now to fulfill every prophecy of the Scripture. You've been called and chosen and ordained for that purpose. Behold a virgin washed by the water of the Word. Let's stand together no I'm not half through yes I got more to go but that's okay as the musicians come this morning let's worship him from the depths of our hearts let's remember to make Christmas what it's really about it isn't about getting a gift and I got to get something that nice for somebody else and getting a rat race it's about Christ Christ Maybe you can look around and see there are those that are in need. Little families, maybe little mothers without a husband single parent, or you can see you can see others with financial difficulties and whatever. And you can say, Lord, let me give to somebody who couldn't give back to me. Let me show Christ in my life to others so others can see Jesus in me. Come, let us adore him. Let's just end on that song. Oh, come, let